Welcome to the Biz and Life Done Well podcast, where we explore what it means and what it takes to do business and life well. I'm your host, Peter Wilson. If you're like me, you're intrigued by stories of common people who have achieved uncommon success in business and life. Join me as I interview fascinating people about how they got started, their successes and failures, their habits and routines, and what inspires them. All right, so today our guest is Anna Allison. I've known Anna for about uh, five years. Uh, we are in a networking group together, uh, BNI, uh, Business Networking International. And we've uh, known each other for about five years, worked pretty closely for about the last two and a half years. Uh, we do some marketing for her business. Um, and so, Anna, you want to say hi? Hello, Peter. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you bet. I think. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. So, Anna, tell us um, the name of your business and, um, and what do you do? Aussie Petmobile Puget Sound. We are a mobile pet grooming service. Okay. And um, so uh, you're located in the Seattle area? Our, our office is in Edmonds, but we service uh, the greater Puget Sound area. Okay. So Snohomish to Kent and Puget Sound to Snoqualmie Pass. Cool. So how many, uh, so it's a mobile business so how many uh, vehicles or how many vans we have seven vans okay and nine groomers and we work seven days a week um why don't you just explain what you know what your business model is and you know what mm -hmm. is what's what's it like if i'm a customer so we uh our vans are all uh, mercedes sprinter vans that are completely outfitted with everything that we need to do full grooming services at your door um, we have hot water, we have AC, we have heat, we are very comfortable. Um, so as a customer, it's a great experience for your pet. Um, senior pets or senior people or, or fearful pets that don't do well around other pets, this is a great experience because we're going to come right to your front door. The groomer is the only one that's going to be there. They take your pet from the front door to the van out to the truck and groom them up. Mm -hmm. um, if you're, you as a customer are concerned about anything that's going on, you can see mm -hmm. in the van. Um, you can, if you're good with your pet, <laughs> we'll allow you to come in the van <laughs> and um, be a part of the grooming process. Sometimes that's necessary because the, the, the pet just isn't comfortable without them. Mm -hmm. So that's something that you can't do in a, in a salon situation right. at all. Right. So it's one-on-one -on -one time with the groomer. Um, we can do most grooms in about an hour and a half. Okay. And it's the less, the least amount of stress that you can put on a pet. Most pets aren't thrilled about the process, but they're usually very happy after the process. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what the, that's what I say that our clients buy is that moment of happiness right after their the uh, pet gets groomed, comes in the house, is doing the zoomies, mm -hmm. licking the groomer's face, right. you know, wagging their tails. Even the kitty cats are not running and hiding and wow. angry. You know, mm -hmm. they're right there rubbing on their 
legs and mm-hmm. such. So, so that's what mobile pet grooming is all about. And that's what the customer really is buying is that moment. And I try to, um, explain that to my groomers right. as I'm hiring them that that's really why a customers come to see right. us is that moment yeah. of happiness that they see in their pet. Pets aren't struggling to get out the door of the salon. Right. Well, yeah. The other thing that I think about is just, uh, the time factor involved in, uh, if you are going to take your pet to a boutique or, you know, worse, if mm-hmm. you're taking the pet to a, you know, big box warehouse mm-hmm. pet store, um, I mean, a, it's time consuming. You don't know how the pet's going to be treated. Um, well, and it just, the whole time factor alone. Yeah. Driving just, them there, yeah. picking them up. Usually yeah. it's an all day event. And then they're, they come home and they're just freaked out. Yeah. They're totally exhausted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's cool. So that's, um, and you know, we, you know, disclaimer here, we use Aussie Petmobile. So <laughs> we're very happy and Rosie is extremely happy with the groom she gets from winter. Um, <laughs> So how long have you uh, how long have you had uh, this uh, business, Aussie Petmobile? A little over eight years now. Well, I didn't realize that. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Um, so um, one of the things I'm curious about is uh, so uh, just let's make sure we cover your pets. So any pets? Yes, one Cosmo. He's a little terrier mutt, thirteen years old. He was my first victim as a groomer. <laughs> okay. Uh, and your spouse is? Tom. Tom. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been together? Uh, hold on, I'm counting. Um, 26 years. Oh, congrats. Congrats. That's uh, married in 91? Yeah. That's same 92. year I was. Same, 20. Okay, okay, same year I was married. <laughs> Good deal. Um, cool. And you live live here live, in... We live here in Edmonds. Okay. Um, have for um, eight years, actually. Okay. Now, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to edit. That out. was Rosie. <laughs> she <laughs> we, wants to have her say. <laughs> yeah, we may be editing out some barks here. <laughs> How did you get into pet grooming. I mean, mobile pet grooming. I I didn't even know mobile pet grooming was a thing until I met you. So how did you, what was the journey like? How'd you get there? I was laid off from my other career, which was construction project management in 2009. Um, with the downturn of the economy, all of us construction managers were pretty much out of work. And I was introduced to a gentleman that was a business coach who folk who focused on franchise um, sales, but not only sales, but he also um, was able to spend quite a bit of time with me determining what type of business would be good for me and whether that was even a franchise or not. Um, he, he spent a lot of time. We spent a lot of time looking at, interpersonal type questions and life uh, considerations and just a whole bunch of stuff you should really do in your 20s probably <laughs> we don't um so 
Having my own business had been something that Tom and I had talked about for years, but we both were employed and it was a lot easier just to collect that paycheck than figure it out. And now that I was unemployed and not likely to get rehired in that um, profession again, I I went down this road of figuring out if I was a good candidate for a business, to be a business owner. Having never done so, never been anywhere close to owning a business in any profession I'd worked in. <laughs> so it was um, quite a journey, and we mm-hmm. did um, it did take about five months of you know answering a lot of personal questions and determining what type of business would be right for me. Mm-hmm. I have always loved pets, always had dogs, mm-hmm. volunteered at shelters. So I kind of knew that something in the pet industry would probably be a good fit for me. Um, and so when this business coach and I got together, it finally we came, he brought a number of businesses ideas to me. Um, all of them were related to my past work history, which was interior design or construction management. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I happened to be going through a Valpac coupon mailer one day and came across an Aussie Petmobile coupon in it. I am not joking. And I (laughs) never look at these things ever. Yeah. They always just go right in the trash. But for whatever reason, I opened it up that day. Recycle. Yep. (laughs) Recycle. And there was this coupon for Aussie Petmobile. It was a cute logo. It caught my attention. So I immediately thought, I wonder if that's a franchise. And I went and I Googled it. And sure enough, it was. And we kind of... I went, you know, I looked at other franchisees very closely, was very close to another, spent, I was actually went down to California and visited another type of franchise. And so it was between that and Aussie Petmobile. And finally, I just decided that if I was going to just go into business without any, you know, apprehension or any preconceived notions mm-hmm. of what might or could go wrong and just I'd rather just go totally blind <laughs> than, than bringing all this past history with me. So mm-hmm. I opted for the pets and it's been great. Wow. That I, you know what? I, I'm glad I asked you that question because I really had not heard that story. <laughs> wow. That's, that's incredible. So you get the valve pack, you open it up, you look at Aussie Petmobile. Now, obviously there must've been a franchise, um, Operating in your market, or that's funny. There wasn't the the closest one was uh, over on the east side, and why he because this came to us in Edmonds, yeah, uh, Richmond Beach, and there he wasn't. So, I mean, that's that's the thing about Val Pack sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Got his money's worth. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Cool. So. Um, so you did look at some other, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you because I know you're in a, a franchise uh, business, was why Aussie uh, Petmobile. Was there anything about that opportunity versus other franchises that you looked at? Um, was it mainly because it wasn't in the space you'd worked in? It sounds like that was the answer, but was there anything was else? Was there anything else about Aussie Petmobile in particular that, Looked like it was 
I, I look at it. I'll answer the question myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at it. It seems like businesses are mobile. That seems like where the economy is going is mobile. I mean, did that have anything to do with it? Well, it did, but more for personal reasons. Um, for me, it was, I knew that I was going to be taking care of my my father and mother-in-law. And so I knew that I was going to need something that was flexible. So that right away ruled out any sort of um, brick and mortar type of operation. Um, The, the other uh, business franchise that I looked at really closely was a sort of pro painters and they have a very good business model and a really nice seemed like quality people in the corporate office. Um, Good reputation. And the only reason that I didn't choose them was because I already had a good, I already had a lot of knowledge about what that type of business was going to entail. And it, and like I said, I was just like, I kind of wanted to be a little bit done with that. So yeah. Yeah. And it, and it is a market that's much more volatile to economic change (laughs) where the pet industry is pretty dang stable. If it, it does not have its right. downs, it, right. it, it might stabilize, but it, it actually grew during the recession. Right, right. That's true. And in a market like Seattle, it's yeah. one of the top pet, yeah. you know, uh, markets. In yeah. USA. Yeah. Interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. I'd never thought about that. That one of the things that I think about in terms of what interests me when I look at this, and maybe mm-hmm. this was, part of your thinking too is I kind of like to be on the bottom of the learning curve sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so that's like why I play squash. Cause I'm at the bottom of the learn. I'm the very bottom of the learning curve. Kind of um, like a challenge. Don't yes. I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I'm making some progress, yeah, yeah, right, right. if not, uh, yeah. it kind of sucks. So, um, so when you started, uh, did you start with one vehicle or how did you grow the franchise? Yeah, I started just with one vehicle and myself. Um, so I groomed, I answered the phone, you know, scheduling and marketing and did it every, did everything I, um, from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my plan was in about three years, I'd add another van and I'd grow my business annually, you know, hopefully adding a van as I went. And my goal from day one, when I signed my contract with Aussie Petmobile was to have 10 vans in 10 years and be doing a million dollar one million one in revenue. Um, so that's, that was my plan at the beginning before knowing anything about whether that was even possible. Okay. Okay, cool. (laughs) Ambitious goals. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, there at the time I signed, there was one um, franchise in Southern California, and he was at the top of the list. And I, I probably said it right to the guys sitting at the table as I'm signing the contract. Said, "I'm beating him. That's who I'm beating." Awesome. <laughs> and I almost beat him <laughs> before he retired. <laughs> so, so you've gone from one. Uh, one vehicle and how soon did you order your next uh, vehicle and how, you know, what was the progression like? So uh, let's see. I started in 2010 in June and February of 2011, no, of 2012, I bought my second vehicle Mm -hmm. and had 
had a small staff. I think I had two employees at the time and I was still grooming part-time. And then, so that was 12. So 2014 came along and I was definitely ready for a third vehicle. Mm -hmm. Um, but another opportunity came along where I could buy my neighboring franchise who already had five vehicles. Got it. And I jumped on it (laughs) because, you know, I could more than double my business overnight. This was going to be great. I'd have seven vehicles in in five years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bit of a challenge. Yeah, that was a bit of a challenge. That might have been a mistake, (laughs) but we can talk about that later. But anyway, that's how, so that's how we grew. And then we've had some... Um, we've had a little bit of setback because of the condition of some of those vehicles. And so we've shrunk a little, but then now we're back up to our seven vehicles and, and looking probably next year, we'll buy another vehicle. Great. You know, we're, we're at capacity now as it is. So Well, from a, like a macro perspective, the pet business just seems pet businesses alone just seem to be growing. Have you... Yeah. seen any research on that or just kind of looked at that or you just know it implicitly? I, know, I remember when we first started out, um, I mean, I had not ever heard of mobile pet grooming before I'd seen that flyer either, to be honest with you. And all of the pets that I had owned, honestly, disclaimer here, never have taken them to a pet shop. So I would be one of my worst customers, okay. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. um, I noticed after I started getting involved with it and started the business that there wasn't any mobile pet grooming service in my territory, which at the time was Edmonds and Shoreline. Mm -hmm. There was none. So people didn't even know to Google search for a mobile pet groomer because that just wasn't a thing. So you had to educate the market. Yeah, which I didn't realize in the beginning because, I don't know, it just didn't dawn on me, right? Right, right. So that took more time to get my name out there than I had anticipated. Um, over on the east side where we live, and it um, there were a few more um, independent owner operators, mm-hmm. but still was kind of a scarce thing. Mm-hmm. But the other franchisee had been over there for five years at the time, so okay. he had got an established market for his business. Mm-hmm. But got it. People that live on the east side don't come to the west side. So right, right, right. <laughs> it's not surprising. Right. So so let's talk about just business in general. So, you know, you said you didn't really have a ton of business experience when you started. Um, I mean, you've obviously been a professional uh, project manager. So what happened, what, what are some sort of, you know, what, what was the biggest surprise with respect to owning a business that, you know, once you bought this business, like a year in, you're like, holy crap. Um, okay. I own this business and I got to do this. I didn't expect that at all. Is there anything that really stands out? Um, there's probably a lot of things. Let's see. I know I had this thought that, okay, I'm going to be the business owner and I'm, I have this mobile business so I can work when I want to work. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, That would have been true if 
I didn't have any debt or any Ooh. bills to pay. Right, <laughs> right, right. So thinking, thinking that I would not, you know, have more flexibility than I did. And then certainly after I hired employees, that became so not true. Now I really was tied to the business because mm-hmm. I had to be there to, for, to support my employees. Right. You know, answer their questions. You know, so it that's been really uh, something that I I was total surprise to me. I I somehow thought <laughs> that I would be able to be a more hands off right. person. So the and thing that's not just true. Kind of yeah, run, run itself. itself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would run itself. Surprise. <laughs> so that definitely was a got it. And still continues to this day to me. So, and and over time, my role in the business has changed and evolved. And, you know, now I have a good staff of groomers. I have a good staff in the office. So what do I do with all my extra time? Well, now I'm a mechanic Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I service all my vans. Right. So it's always evolving into something, you know, I think, oh, if I get these many people in here, I can step back and actually, you know, have a weekend. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's good to know what, um, um, with respect to the, oh, I know what I was going to ask you. I'm going to do a little editing here. <laughs> so, um, you have a lot of folks working for you. So what have you kind of learned along the way with respect to hiring or who makes a good team member? Like what, what do you look for in somebody when you're hiring? I know right now it's kind of tough to find folks, uh, it seems to be in the market, but I'm just kind of curious when you do, you know, interview somebody, what are the things you're looking for? Well, I might be surprised for some people, but I actually hire people that don't have any grooming experience okay. and prefer it that way. Prefer to train them the way that I want them to mm-hmm. um, groom and treat my customers. Um, and so what I look for is somebody who's got great customer service skills, somebody who's a people pleaser wants to do the right thing, mm-hmm. loves pets, but actually maybe loves people just as much because I always tell them they don't issue credit cards to dogs yet. <laughs> so you better I've make friends with that. Dogs getting credit cards. <laughs> yeah. That's they don't, yeah. The dogs could actually care less about their bath than we're doing this for the human in a lot of respects and mm-hmm. not for the pet. So... We, um, so definitely customer service is really high, um, on my must have list. Cause I okay. can't teach somebody how to be nice to somebody else. I can teach you how to groom, but I can't, mm-hmm. can't teach Good the one. other thing. So, yeah. so I definitely have learned that that's a big priority. And secondly, to be part of a team. Okay. Um, my, my groomers are out working on their own but I really tried to create a team atmosphere, even though mm-hmm. they do have a lot of independence and they are, they don't see their coworkers all that often, but mm-hmm. they, they do, I think feel like a team because of the way that we try to interact with everybody and 
things that I've put into place in the business to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm trying to create that team. Out so how do you do that? I mean, I think that's a great point. Um, especially if you've got kind of a virtual workforce, what, what are the types of things that you do to, um, so we do have monthly staff meetings where everybody is, has to get yeah. together in a room. Mm-hmm. So we all see each other for at least one hour a month face to face. Right. Um, I use Google Hangouts and we do it in such a way that our groomers are assigned to certain areas. So usually there's a couple of groomers that work the same areas. So they're on the same hangout. So when we have communication between the office and the groomer, Mm -hmm. both of them are seeing it. And so that creates some um, continuity so that, you know, it's, there's been instances where maybe the, one groomer's running ahead of schedule and the other one's got some problems and they're mm-hmm. close by each other and they can help each other out or, okay. you know, lots of different such scenarios can come up, but it creates, then they know that there's somebody else out there that's right. working alongside of right. the, Yeah. So that's been good. Um, I also, you know, we create team goals, business goals every month. It, that's sent out to the team. Everybody's mm-hmm. got their own part of that that they're responsible for. And so, and then they're rewarded on that on a monthly oh. basis. So they, so that helps create team and, and the, and working for the better of the whole whole mm-hmm. rather than just of individuals. And that's very different concept from your salons that are very um, individualistic and, you right. know, they, they don't work as a team. Right. Right. So are the, are the incentives both personal and team based? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so I could get a chunk. If I was a groomer, I could get a chunk that was a personal piece and then a, a team mm-hmm. piece. But if we don't achieve the team goal, then yeah, we're not getting it. Yeah. Obviously. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. right. So. so cool. That is amazing that, um, you've been able to do that because that's, that's actually good. Something to think about, uh, in terms of the way that I'm setting up my own team. <laughs> um, so are there any other things that you do with respect to team building? Um, we try to do an event every quarter that's fun, unrelated to grooming and <laughs> that okay. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, we're trying to implement some more um, continuing education type things within our own little group, mm-hmm. utilizing the groomers that we have because mm-hmm. they all have different strengths and abilities. Even some of the newer groomers have come up with some great ideas on um, one that comes to mind was how this one person restrains a, a kitty cat in the tub, you know, mm-hmm. that was really brilliant. And we're like, Hey, we got to share all of this stuff. Got you it. Know? And so, you know, teaching, letting the other groomers teach each other is really mm-hmm. a huge thing that I'm trying to figure out how, how to get them to, to share more. Cause they don't even think of it. You know, they don't think they're just doing their job and, da, 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 and I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? That's great. Why don't you, do, right. why don't you share that with everybody? So the sharing, yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, um, you know, so Oh nine, it's not that long ago or 2010. Yeah. Um, till now. So what, what would you say is your strongest sort of leadership trait or 
skill that you've developed? You know, like you came from zero to, you know, 90. Where, 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 what, do you feel, what do you feel real good about? Like what, what, I guess what, I just have, I have the big picture in mind and, and I also write it out. I have it on a board that I see every day. And I try to make sure that all of our decisions will get us to that end goal. Mm-hmm. How do I, so I do a lot of like in the office with my staff there, the schedulers, you know, changes that need to be made. We discuss them and talk about them as a group and, and then we'll decide mm-hmm. either as a group or I'll say, mm, no, we're going to do it this so way. So you make decisions. You so don't, we make you decisions. Don't, you don't try. Anyway. Don't, don't let things just fester too much. Yeah. Yeah. So you make a decision. Yeah. That's you have great. to, yeah. you have to make a decision right. and then live with it. And then if it's not the right decision, then you figure out how to fix it and move on. Right. Right. <laughs> and don't do it again. <laughs> so any, uh, any particular skills that, um, that came from your, project management, construction management background that have really translated? I'd say planning. Oh, there you go. Thinking ahead, Mm -hmm. trying to anticipate the problems and have a plan for a backup. Um, So definitely planning. I think uh, the other part of that that I did a lot of in construction management was, you know, I was there to bring the team together and sort of keep the big picture in mind for the customer mm-hmm. and make sure that all of our decisions that we were making was to get to that end goal. And so keeping the team on track mm-hmm. to do so, mm-hmm. um, it was a little bit easier in construction because was, it was much more defined. You were going to build this building or yeah. you were going to build something so well, and you had a, it, an architect it, drew up the plans. Yeah, right? yeah you got the plans. We're with the you don't really have plans. We don't. We don't really. Doing. I have you know an end goal in mind yeah. and what that looks like. Yeah, but it's much more abstract in a, right. in a lot of ways. Right. So harder for me to make got sure it. that we're on track. Yeah. But, yeah. That's but a good. Lot of similarities that, that's that's, there. that's a that's really good. So. um uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about your hobbies. I know you have, um, I know you're involved. I know you're boating is what I know about you. Mm-hmm. Um, Edmund's art, um, festival, art festival and some other things. So, um, what, what are your passions outside of work? Um, probably family and friends and then. Um, passions, I would say boating, um, traveling, um, okay, definitely. And, uh, so what, what got you into boating? How'd you, my dad, Okay. (laughs) cool. Dad had, we had a boat when I I think our first boat we got was when my brother and I were nine, 10 ish, somewhere in there. Okay. Yep, little cabin cruiser out on Lake Washington. Cool. Broke down every time we went out. <laughs> and, but dad was, he loved it. He loved boating and such. So he continued to have boats all through when we were growing up. Um, 
And then, yeah, then eventually my husband and I went in together to buy a boat with my dad. And then mm-hmm. um, we've just continued to have boats. What uh, what was the, your what's your what's your favorite boat that you've owned or you know been a part of? My favorite boat that I've owned, probably the one that we have now. Okay, what is it? It's a 30-foot Carver aft cabin. Oh, Um, So lots of space for two people. Very Mm -hmm. open boat, um, easy to cruise on. Okay. Um, My favorite boat that I'd love to own (laughs) is a Hinkley. (laughs) Okay. Tell us about a Hinkley. Hinkleys are like a floating piece of furniture. The wood work in them is just to die for just gorgeous and they um they do sailboats as well as power boats and both are just they're beautiful amazing so are they built today is Mm -hmm. it a a modern brand okay yeah got it which which particular one are you thinking of oh i'll see i go back and forth a little bit (laughs) okay (laughs) the hinkley picnic boat which is sort of a main lobster looking style boat yeah. yeah they're just beautiful beautiful i love i would love to have one of those but um and then i do love their sailboats are also they're just they stand out you anybody that even if you're not into boating you mm-hmm. would, you would notice this but it's it. kind of like a you know maserati going by do they have a price tag to come yes on? oh yes they do yeah <laughs> so what is probably won't be owning one in my <laughs> lifetime <laughs> Well, clearly I can't afford it but yeah. by the next question I'm going to ask, which is how much do they cost? Yeah, exactly. Millions. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Eh, scratch that. Yeah. All right. So, um, boating adventures, uh, what, what, what's your favorite boating adventure you've had? Uh, so Our favorite my, trip. Yeah. My favorite trip was my trip with my dad and Tom and we took our boat. This was in 2010, right after I started my business, like literally good timing a month (laughs) after I started my business. We had already planned this well before, but so we were going and my dad was aging and it was now or probably not going to happen. So we traveled from Seattle to the, um, up to Canada, up to, um, desolation sound which is on our boat and we went quickly and (laughs) we were covering a lot of ground. Um, we did it in like 14 days up and back, Okay, which is not really spending a lot of time in every place, but Mm -hmm. we hit a lot of places. So, um, definitely there's, um, some beautiful places to go back to Mm. for sure. Cool. But it was, so were you, um, just, um, anchoring in like, Mm -hmm marinas and anchor out in bays and Mm -hmm. yeah uh, there's just some gorgeous places to visit on that lots of wildlife Mm -hmm. yeah what time of year did you obviously you went in the summer yeah we went in summer we went in july okay cool in july and that sounds like a that was a good trip that sounds like an amazing trip Mm -hmm. yeah knowing a little of that territory myself i think that would be that would be rock and roll fantasy mm-hmm. right there. <laughs> so, um, so talking about, um, you know, you've obviously had, 
a lot of success in, in what you've done in your business. What, you know, what do you attribute um, that success to? And I want to dr- drill deep into a couple things. So um, have you had, sounds like you've had a few mentors along the way. Um, who, are there any mentors that have kind of stood out in terms of, you know, you know, where you're at in your business now? Um, I would probably say when I started this business, um, the gentleman that I worked with, his name's Jeff Levy, um, as the business coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he really made a huge impression on me and I went to him for a lot of questions after I started the business too. And he was always there to provide mm-hmm. some advice and ways to think about things that I hadn't. So definitely him in the beginning, um, probably a little bit of Leon Fierberg too. And then now it's probably mainly Steve Pitcairn, mm-hmm. my business coach that I have now and okay. have had for a couple of years, three years now, four years, three years. Yeah. So, so you, so you like, uh, so you, um, you advocate for business coaches. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tell <laughs> yes. me about that. Yes, I do. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't always know what questions I don't know. You don't know what you don't know. I don't know what I don't know. And I don't know how to analyze things maybe the correct way. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I I mentioned before, you know, buying this other business, um, as I looked back on it, uh, I made a lot of mistakes in that process. Um, And so I am... I don't know if I would do it again mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. I've seriously said to myself, I don't think that would be a good idea. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I in some ways wish I would have just continued on my slow, 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 slow organic growth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. rather than instantaneous. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I think that if I had had that sort of um, help during that period, mm-hmm. which I I didn't reach yeah. out to, um, things it could have changed the way things are now. Sure. Um, yeah. But like I said, you just got to live with your decisions sure. and figure out how to right the ship mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and move forward. So, right. so you know, here we are. Th- three years later from that takeover period, four years later. And, you know, we're, we're, we're growing, you know, we're getting out of that. We're getting the ship uprighted and, mm-hmm. and the path is getting easier, but yeah, it's taken, you know, it set me back to almost the beginning. Wow. Okay. Um, where, you know, I was already, four years into it, right. you know, <laughs> right. at different points though. Yeah. It's like start all over again. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so as far as other mentors go, um, well, books or, um, you yeah, know, I read any... a lot. Yeah. I read a lot. Okay. Um, so what, so what books have stood out, 
you know, that you read recently? The E-Myth. Okay. Michael Gerber. Okay. And what was it about that book? I reread that book all the time. Um, The E-Myth Revisited, I think it's called. Okay. I just like the way he's, I like the way he presents the material in a story sort of fashion and Mm -hmm. using supposedly a real life situation Mm -hmm. that, it's not like my business at all. It's about a pie baker or something. Okay. I can't remember. Yeah. And, but it's uh, easy to understand concepts. And I've been reading it for years and years. It was given to me by Jeff Levy, okay. my original business. Yeah. And I read it probably every other year or so because I'm at a different point in my business every right. time I read it. Right. So I pick right. up on different things each time sure. I go through it. Um, so what's the gist of the book or what's one thing that you want to, it's about how and why, um, businesses fail. Okay. So, and, and about how to prevent those things. Mm -hmm. Um, it's also about how do you position your business as a product to sell? Right. Okay. At the end of the, right. Whatever, which has been my goal since, day one, I said Mm -hmm. 10 years and I'm either going to sell this or I'll, you know, I can choose to continue on. But at that point, I hope to have a saleable business. Right. So he talks about, you know, the ways that you need to, things that you need to put in place so that you can take yourself out of Mm -hmm. the business Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, writing down all your processes and your ways that you do things. And, and I do that. I, I have, you know, especially as you add on employees, mm-hmm. having everything in your head does them no good. <laughs> and I know this. They can't read your mind? They what? can't. I know. So creating all kinds of so systems, systems and, and processes and mm-hmm. documents to that we keep up to date on how, you know, if we're changing things, okay, we got to change this, you know. Yeah. So that when I do get to my 10 years, I can say... There Here's my book. Yeah. <laughs> Follow this. This is what we do. It doesn't take me. It, you know. Yeah. Hopefully. Cool. That's, hopefully. That's, what that's great. I mean, because I'm a little lacking in that department myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm doing these podcasts, so I can so learn. So you can learn. And hear all this good stuff. <laughs> Any other books along the way that have inspired you, you know, biz- you know uh, personally or professionally? One other book, um, well, Patrick Lexicone, I think is how you say Lencioni. Lencioni, yeah. Yep. I've read a couple of his books. Yeah. Really good books. Um, I can't think of the names of them off the top of my head. There's also one it's about... The, I think one is called The Ideal Team Player. Yes. This is one That's of them. really good. Yeah. I've, I've read that a couple of times as I've gone through <laughs> hiring, okay. firing people. Yeah. Uh, what am I doing wrong? And... Um, no, what are they doing yeah, wrong? Yeah, it's what are they doing. I uh, also, shoot, I can't remember this other book now. It's about a major department. It's about customer service, and it's about this big department store on the East Coast. I can't even remember. Is it? um, And it's all about how they treat their customers. Is it about a deli? No. Okay. No, it's a men's, I want to say a men's department store. But sort of like, I 
I equated it a lot to like the Nordstrom mm-hmm. way okay. of doing business, yeah. but they were, I think, long before the Nordstrom family. Oh, <laughs> really? Along. Wow, they've been around a while. I know. I know. Okay. I might be wrong on that, but um, yeah. But anyway, it's just a great book on how to treat customers, how to put yourself in the customer's position, mm-hmm. and and ways to think about that so that you are treating them as best you can do mm-hmm. i mean that is my number one way to stand apart from anybody else in this business yeah and i think that's everybody's trying to do that now you know customer right. service customer service well how do you outdo somebody that's already doing pretty good you know so right. i try to take all that kind of stuff in. well and especially how do you duplicate it how do you replicate it how do you how do you make sure that it happens every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to set a standard, mm-hmm. but then it's the other thing to keep it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's like the story of Nordstrom where, yeah. you know, there was, they used to sell tires in yeah. Alaska. You probably yeah. heard this story and some, some person brought tires back and <laughs> yeah. they like took them back and yeah. it's like, what? Yeah. But they had obviously ingrained that in their, in their, in their, um, employees, employees or, um, what's the, term we're supposed to use now um associates or team members (laughs) Uh, but at the end of the day it's you know people are working for you or working for the customer right right yeah and that's something that i impress on my employees all the time we got to do right by the customer Mm -hmm. by the business and by you the groomer and Mm -hmm. the pet you know Mm -hmm. if we say yes to all of those then that's the answer to your question so what happens when you know, let's say there's there's an an issue or a something happens. Is there a certain amount of latitude you allow your folks to use to solve a problem, like right on the spot? Of course, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, they're they're instructed to not argue and mm-hmm. you know be sure to ask the customer when you take the pet back in. Does this look good? Anything I could do to touch up here or there? Is it too long? Do you mm-hmm. want me to take, you know, I can go right out now and mm-hmm. touch it up or shorten it or whatever. Yeah. Take care of it right there. Right. Inevitably, the customer never takes advantage of that. Um, they will call in or email usually. Yeah. Um, a day or two later or maybe even a week or two or three, you know, whatever it is. Um, and say, well, it was just not right. Yeah, whatever. Um, I have, I probably differ from most other franchisees and how I treat this. Um, so I look at it as there's the customer and then there's the groomer. And the main reason that there's a failure is there was a communication breakdown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not, not a, you know, there's no one to blame here. Right. Because the customer thought they were communicating what they wanted right? and the groomer thought they were understanding what the, what right. the client wanted. Mm-hmm. No, you know, there's nobody to blame. Yeah. So take care of the customer. And that means refund them a hundred percent of the money. If mm-hmm. that'll be happy because they feel that, or go out and fix it. Mm-hmm. So whatever they want to do. Um, and that's, so that's how I take care of the customer. And then with the groomer, I just let them know, this is what happened. This is what the customer said. Um, you know, just take that in 
yeah understand that that's mm-hmm. what that this is from what your conversation was with them and your understanding now they're saying this just understand try to remember what you know what was said in the beginning and can you figure out maybe where there was a miscommunication mm-hmm Sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't. Sometimes yeah. you're just baffled, right. you know, well, and yeah. that's okay. I don't penalize the groomer. I still pay them for the groom, right. whether I had to refund the money or not, and we move on, you mm-hmm. know. And I don't, if, you know, of course, if I have a, a groomer that it's continuing to happen and there's a pattern there, then right. then there's an issue, another issue to be yeah. dealt with. But yeah. uh, 99% of the time, it's just, Take care of the customer and then let the groomer know what happened mm-hmm. and, you know, see if there's a way that they can improve the, their questions or, you know, ask more questions or yeah. use different techniques to try to get out of the customer what they want. Right. So that really changes the morale equation, too, for your employees. I think so. Yeah. It shows that I trust them. Yeah. And that they're doing everything that they can. Yeah. To well, you kind of have to trust them, right? Because they're out driving your, <laughs> your million dollar van around or, yes. you know, I mean, so there's a ton of trust right away, a ton right? Of trust. Yeah. So, uh, customers never see me. Yeah. So, so they're the face of the company. They are. Um, so any other, um, any other like hobbies or interests you have, uh, outside of work? outside of uh, try the to office. golf I try to golf all right um i i like reading um yeah so you're a, a fan of the warren buffett so-called warren buffett 5 hour rule i hadn't heard that okay. but i am definitely going <laughs> to so the, try that the, the concept is uh uh folks like warren buffett uh bill gates oprah uh, and others um, spend at least one hour a day, so five hours a week, one hour per workday mm-hmm. uh, on education, either reading or reflecting or experimenting. Um, so that was the concept. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I had never heard of that, but I'm, I, I wrote that down. Huh? I was like, oh, I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So um, when you're... Working in your business, um, what sorts of things do you um, look for? Like, I know you have to work with different vendors. I know you have like auto repair <laughs> and other folks. What are the sorts of things that you look for um, when you're, you know, working with different vendors? Um, well, uh just the same things that everybody likes customer yeah. service right <laughs> yeah. yeah i want to yeah. be treated well i mean you don't go for the cheapest yeah i don't yeah i you know i do have a budget unfortunately but um definitely for quality and uh honesty mm-hmm. um people who say what they're going to do and do what they say and right you know i that's all i can ask for I actually just had I got off the phone the other day with this company that I I have no relationship with at all 
and said to my scheduler, wow, they have really good customer service, or at least this guy is really good. Hmm. Because he just has helped me through Mm -hmm. something that's not his problem. Wow. My issue, I bought a product that's not quite going to work for me, and now I need to return it, and it's a specialty item, and blah, blah, blah. um, But he's been dogging it for me, and he's, yeah, I'm like, Great, I'm using you. I don't, That's, you know, yeah. I, I wish I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to have a big um, need for this particular product, and yeah. you know, but I will here and there, and mm-hmm. I definitely use them. Yeah, but yeah, so he made a good impression. You well, know. And the one thing is, you never know. Like that guy doesn't necessarily know, you know. So if he treats everybody great. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's just his job. Yeah. <laughs> he's not cherry picking customers. No, oh, no, yeah. yeah. She's not going to be a big customer. Eh. Yeah. It'd be like if you guys had a call from somebody, well, I've got, you know, a little pug here. Oh, well, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll get back to you. And, you know, you're just looking for the people with, you know, five bulldogs or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But so, he doesn't know that I might actually get him more business because I do have a whole, franchisee that this is a product that some of the larger franchisees could probably use right. so cool anyway. so any funny pet stories i mean you're out there just you know you know grooming pets you're working with pets all the time i mean what random question yeah i don't none because i don't do it anymore yeah that's true <laughs> okay thinking, we can scratch that i'm trying to think Oh, I've heard any funny ones. I know what I wanted to ask you. So, um, so earlier in your career, before you were, so um, one thing we didn't talk about, I might even edit this and put it back in there. So, um, so what was your uh, background, schooling, that sort of thing? Mm. Um, so, after high school, I went to University of Puget Sound. Okay. For about two years and I was studying business administration and psychology. However, I had always wanted to be an interior designer. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in my sixth or fifth grade class and the teach we were sitting in a circle and the teacher was like, okay, everybody tell us what you want to do when you grow up. Mm-hmm. And that's what I said. I wanted to be an interior designer. And so I, I always knew what I wanted to be. I don't know why that always stuck. I had no influences in that area. I don't know where it came from. So anyway, but I'm like, okay, well, I can't make any money at that. I don't even know what that really means and blah, blah, blah. So that's why I didn't do it. I went the traditional college way because, you know, (laughs) but after about two years, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this. Okay. And my dad was footing the bill for college. And I'm mm-hmm. like, dad, I, this is expensive and I don't want to do this. And he's like, yeah. well, then don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? okay. So I went, um, I enrolled in the Art Institute of Seattle mm-hmm. and got my associate's degree in interior design mm-hmm. there. And then I went to work doing started off doing uh, residential remodeling, um, mainly kitchens and bathrooms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then did a little foray into more commercial work and ended up doing, uh, working for an architectural firm. And we did all sorts of um, remodels for Microsoft. Okay offices you know to conference Mm -hmm. rooms and labs and blah blah back and Mm -hmm. forth 
Um, and then I um, got a got a job with another company that did um, project management, construction management, mm-hmm. and was working as an interior designer. They had a small little department of interior designers and um that work was kind of drying up and they had some construction management work available and they asked if i wanted to try my hand at that and i said Mm -hmm. sure because really my interiors work had really been more about project management than than selection of furniture finishes that wasn't Mm -hmm. ever anything that i did i did more space management and um, project management. Okay. So it, that came pretty naturally to foray into construction management. And then after about a, two years of working as an assistant project manager, I went to university of Washington, got a certificate of construction management. Okay. So, cool. um, and I also somewhere along the lines in there, I also got a lead certification, mm-hmm. um, too. So, that's been my educational background, sort of. Got it. All over the place, but. So you're a. Sounds like you're a lifelong learner. learner. Yep, that's what I do. Lifelong. Yep. Cool. I I really enjoy that. I read a lot. I listen to podcasts mm-hmm. a lot. I mm-hmm. love, you know, the leadership conference sure. that you turned me yeah. on to. Yeah love that kind of mm-hmm. stuff you know i mm-hmm. really do um really influences me a lot so mm-hmm. does it inspire you as well do you find like mm-hmm. motivates you so yeah, yeah definitely mm-hmm. what um so what um do you have any athletic pursuits do you have like mm-hmm. a workout regimen <laughs> do you do any of that sort of thing no no i yeah jeff miller would kill me but i have no time for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> You're much better at it than me. Well, maybe. I, yeah, I need to, but I don't. Got I'm it. just, I'm a slacker. Got it. Got it. So, um, uh, let's see. Okay. A couple last questions I'm going to throw in here. Um, any, um, so burning desire, what's your, what's your like burning desire? Lifelong rock and roll fantasy. <laughs> well, um, uh, my burning desire is to, um, live on a sailboat and sail around the, I don't know if I'll say sail around the world, but sail around in many parts of the world. Okay. Fair. Yep. Cool. For probably, I don't know five, 10 years. Cool. Uh, until maybe until I die. Okay. <laughs> wow. That is my burning. Desire. Now you're now. So you, you've actually been on a sailboat before. So it's this, a little bit. I've actually been mostly power boater. Okay. So why so, sailboat? Well, cause power boats can't go very far before you need to fuel up. So right. Okay. You can't do very long. Hauls. So it's economics. At yeah. This point. Economics. Okay. Definitely. Got it. Um, yeah, so my husband and I last November took a sailing course out of Fort Lauderdale where we were on a catamaran for a week and took four um, American Sailing Association 
classes Mm -hmm. on this sailboat. So Mm -hmm. we were sailing and practicing all of the things that we were learning as well as we were taking exams every morning. So how big was the boat? It was a 37 foot catamaran. Oh, nice. And there was myself and my husband and the captain and then one other couple who were doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, so you're, it was a lot of fun. So you're taking this seriously. Yes, I mean, you're not we're just, going. You're not, you're, <laughs> so you're 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 making your rock and roll fantasy come true I'm here. I'm trying. Awesome. Cool. Cool. So any um, is there anything you want to say? Um, anything else that we haven't covered that you just think we might want to know about you? I find it really awkward mm-hmm. to be interviewed about my <laughs> this sort of stuff we're just um, having a conversation I here know. this is not an interview i know but so uh, i hear you. i There's went to the right in front of your face, yeah so, i went yeah. well no yeah. just but just like you said you know you people might think of you as successful and i think oh my god i'm such a mess that's what i think mm. and that's how i see myself and mm. i went to our regional meeting and yeah. I am definitely, you know, we are like number two, number three revenue wise, re- wise in all of Aussie Puttmobile. And so, you know, now I'm the one that the newcomers are coming in and saying, oh, I'm going to beat her out. Yeah. <laughs> and I, um, you know, been in there for eight years. So now I am the one that has the longevity. Yeah. And now everybody's coming to me and asking me questions about how do yeah. I do this and that. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing, folks. I just am plugging along and learning every day. And yeah. so I, it kind of freaked me out a bit, honestly, at the regional meeting. I was just like, uh, I'm here to learn just as much as you guys are. Cause yeah. I don't have the answers. And so, you know, and and there was a couple of situations where I kind of put on the spot and I just felt really uncomfortable about, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I am any more successful than you are necessarily. You Mm -hmm. know, I just, I don't feel like I'm, I just feel like, you know, I'm just fixing one mess after another. Well, I think (laughs) that one of the things that I've heard in, kind of studying folks success and things like that is that there's sort of this imposter syndrome. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's um, I'm not even sure it's called syndrome, but it's this, like if you talk to different um, like people have been successful um, or, you know, some actors who are very famous and things like that, they're, they're like, literally, if you sit down and talk to them, they're like, I don't feel like I'm this person. Like, you yeah. Know, okay. That's kind of what that's you're talking exactly about. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. I, that feels like, I don't know who that person is. Yeah. Oh, you guys look at me. It's, that's not me. And I don't know, you know, right. I don't try to be anybody else. And I just, but that in some respects that kind of creates this inner drive, right? Yeah, I mean, you, cool. you obviously you're not, you're not settling for, you know, you're not happy with a certain level of um, success or, you know, a certain level of achievement. Yeah. I have my goal. Right. So until <laughs> you get there, get there. All right. So when you get there, right. then, then will I be satisfied? I don't know. <laughs> well, I, hopefully you're satisfied now, but I mean, um, you know, will you think of yourself as a success? That'll be a question. You can ask me that in okay. a couple of years. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
don't know. Good. That's that's awesome. Well, Anna, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to you know be exposed <laughs> to the microphone, and um, it's been fun. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for listening to this episode of Biz and Life Done Well with Peter Wilson. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and most of the other popular podcast platforms. Please tell your friends about us and leave us a review so even more people will find out about us. Thanks again. We'll see you soon.